This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When babies come into the world, they have to make sense of everything, and generally, their parents can help them out. This time, we're kind of finding our way together. Well, it's early days. I think it's pretty much day by day, task by task, minute by minute. And today was a good day. They all seem quite excited. Don't know how that will be in a couple of weeks' time, though. <laughs> Welcome to Are We There Yet? I'm Katie Gossett. And in this episode, take a wild guess at what we're going to be talking about. There's a flu and we need to stay home so that people don't get sick. He does ask for things like masks. We started saying that it was a four-week holiday, but then we did introduce the word lockdown and we said that that is to stop the bug spreading around the world. We are, of course, talking about coronavirus. But in 1918, there was another bug that spread around the world. It was the influenza pandemic and it killed 9,000 New Zealanders in just two months. Little boy came in one morning. Oh, he said, look, he said, the children next door are crying. This 1967 radio doco was called The Great Plague, and the unnamed speaker worked in a pharmacy. And he came back with the news that the mother and father looked awfully funny. The mother was black and the father was turning black. There was a baby in the cot and there was a little toddler running round and there was nobody to do anything for them. By late 1918, most public transport was stopped, public gatherings were banned, and streets were empty. That part sounds kind of familiar now. But New Zealand has embarked on an unprecedented campaign to halt the spread of this current virus. And so for this episode, you're coming to my house, because like the rest of the country, that's where I'm working from. Specifically, I'm working from a retro caravan, so... There might be some bird sounds, there might be raindrops falling on the roof, and I should probably apologise now for the phone quality audio. Other random things that form the backdrop to my day... Ah yes, the novice trumpeter who's been at it for almost a term. And then this one... She's a bit further down the musical path. And somehow we've got to muddle along and do work and schoolwork and some playtime and whatever else as we navigate this whole situation. These certainly are really strange times and, you know, the reality is getting stranger by the day. That's Catherine Gallagher, our clinical psychologist. But as parents, we also really need to remember that there are some things that we can do to help ourselves and our kids through this experience. 
When there are things that make life uncertain and that we cannot control, turning our focus to those things that we can control reminds us that we still have some power and influence and this really helps us settle and feel safer. So what are those things we can do? Well, first of all, let the kids feel those obvious emotions. It's really important to allow kids and us to feel frustrated, bored, sad, excited, worried about all of this stuff. Because if we rush too quickly into telling them that it's going to be fine, then we don't acknowledge the really real and appropriate emotions that the kid's having. And that means they can be left feeling misunderstood and wrong. We need to be upfront when they come to us with questions. Otherwise they make stuff up and clearly often worrying more about stuff and thinking about more complicated things that we actually give them credit for. Younger kids probably don't need to hear every news update, but for older ones, that horse might have already bolted. Your kids are going to get exposed to information and even seek it out that you won't have any influence over. But you do have control over whether you have a conversation with them about what sources and what amounts of information might be helpful to them. Because if they're saying, well, actually all my friends are saying this and there's this many deaths and oh my gosh, that makes me anxious then that might be the time for you as a parent to go, hey, it's totally your right to look at that information, but how helpful is that for you right now? You know, this is the bit we can do, so how about we put a limit on the news that we're watching? The other thing we can do is channel kids' worries into something practical. We can help by washing our hands regularly, sneezing into our elbow, and uh, staying at home. That might help ward off children's anxiety, but what about our own? Because we will feel anxious. In some ways we need that to help keep us focused on hygiene and social distancing, but we do have to manage it around our kids. They are watching you to know just how scared to feel. And that doesn't mean that as parents you can't be scared, you can't be flummoxed, but it means that actually I need to actually actively take care of myself while I'm feeling like that because the kids are looking to me to kind of be on top of this. So even if I've got anxious, I need to breathe through it and to let them know, gosh, whoa, that kind of took me by surprise. I'm okay. I'm going to go and have a shower. I'm going to go and take a walk. And then we'll talk about that thing some more. And if you're still not convinced? If you remain highly stressed, it actually reduces your immunity. And guess what? That makes you more vulnerable. I'm just saying. And the other thing about anxiety and fear is that sometimes they come out in ways that affect other people. Toilet paper hoarders, we're talking to you. It's really important to explain to kids what they are seeing as people fight over the loo rolls. It isn't that people are stupid and selfish, although some are doing a pretty damn good impression of this. It's that this is how their worry brain is telling them how to behave to keep safe. Of course, we also need to remind kids that our worry brain gets stuff wrong and that in reality, reaching out to and being supported by others is actually what helps us. And if you are one of the hoarders? I get it. These are uncertain times and a wee secret stash makes us all feel a bit better. But if you do have a garage full, maybe it's important to find other ways to manage your anxiety. Otherwise, you're teaching kids that the needs of others don't matter. And this really isn't a helpful lesson for them to be learning right now, or ever actually. That's me, yawning for real, right in the middle of making a recording. I've left it in deliberately. It's part of a life lesson from me. If you can, you really need to get some sleep. A lot of us parents are working weird hours to fit around our kids. I have been working, and if I've got my headphones on, it means leave me alone. And that one seems to be working now with the children. It's obviously not an ideal situation, is it? But there's a lot of people... In it at the moment. 
others have different stresses going on. My husband's job's at the moment not stable. It's like if this continues, he may not have any work. I use a wheelchair. One challenging situation uh, recently, I had to take the kids to the supermarket. It's quite challenging in a wheelchair when you've got a couple of small kids. You can't carry very many items. And another really important thing that will help if we're anxious or tired is keeping our routines. After all, we've got a bit of time to fill in. Which brings me to what the word I can't say on the radio are we going to do with these children for a month? Puzzle books and colouring in books. We've got like worksheets, like colouring in stuff. They wanted to create obstacle courses. Some reading and a bit of sports where we can. They want to cook outside. Got a brazier, so we'll do some fire cooking. One of the tricky things is the social stuff, or lack thereof. Hold on, one of my kids has just gone out the gate. Inside now, thanks. You're not allowed out there. Yeah, we can't go and play with the neighbours. Five, four, three, two, thank you. There you go, real life situation. <laughs> The reality is things are going to get niggly over an entire month. Our house has already had some flare-ups, so we need to talk about some ground rules. We're in each other's space. Hopefully most of it's going to be positive. Probably not all of it's going to be. So how are we going to be forgiving of ourselves? How do we take space if we need it? So if, you know, little Jimmy likes to play his trombone and that does everyone else's head in, we're going to do a different activity so that Jimmy gets to do the thing that he loves to do. Or actually, we might take some time off your choice time um, if you can't be patient with Jimmy's time choice. So, you know, the basic parenting skills don't go out the window. And in a couple of weeks, there's distance learning to look forward to, or not, as the case may be. I think not only is it good from a practical point of view for the schools, but it's also probably quite good psychologically because after two weeks of holiday being at home, the kids are probably going to be a little bit more interested in engaging with stuff that school sends them. For some families, play is more of a priority. We're not implementing any type of school schedule. We are just allowing them to play because I think their mental health is probably the most important thing. As for my family, we'll do a mix of things. There'll be schoolwork, some reading, walks, baking. I'm going to set a new rule where my children have to make at least one meal a week and hopefully that carries on after the lockdown is over. And yes, there's a bit of screen time. We might have to be a bit more relaxed around that, and I'm not saying go crazy, you know, and and 24-7. But it might be that, you know, realistically, if you've got to get some work done, it's okay for them to have a bit more screen time than they normally would. But maybe the deal is that if we have some screen time, then we're also going to go out for a walk. And the lockout will offer a few lessons of its own. I've come across a lot of people through their disabilities who are more housebound than others. The able-bodied population are really struggling with being housebound. And every now and then I slip into a conversation, well, for some folk, this is their normal. And then there are parents who've made the tough choice to be away from their kids so they can contribute to essential services. When I made the decision, I felt really uh, like it was logical. But once we'd made the plan, I had a big old cry. (laughs) It's really hard. You know, I'm feeling really paranoid and a little bit out of control. So this might all be the new normal, but it's still pretty weird. And I think we need to prepare for the fact that we're all going to get a bit emotional and stir-crazy as time goes on.
when I was listening to Jacinda Ardern announce that we were going into level four, I think the enormity of it hit me and definitely felt quite emotional. We're trying to be kind to each other, although it doesn't work. I still find myself shouting at the kids when I should be using a calmer voice. But the good news is... When we do have challenges or frustrations, it's how do we own that? How do we kind of acknowledge our part in that? How do we move through it? That's the stuff that actually teaches kids resilience and safety and security. And along with those life lessons and work and schoolwork, we also have to fit in some housework. Because I don't know about you, but with everyone home all the time, our place is a tip. But before we moan about it, spare a thought for those providing essential services during the 1918 pandemic. The washing, oh, that was a heartbreak. In those days, we didn't have washing machines. In that 1967 doco, a hospital matron recalls all the bed linen that had to be washed with not a mod con in sight. A poor old washerwoman. I went and said, Mrs Simpson, you'll have to have a rest. Oh, just give me a drop of suthink and I'll be right. And she had a lot of drops of suthink out of the medicine cupboard. I suspect there'll be a few medicinal drops being taken around the country over the next few weeks. I'm probably going to have a few myself. What we shouldn't lose sight of in all of this is that there is a point to it. We are doing our bit to slow the spread of COVID-19. Fundamentally, we need to stay home, we need to be washing our hands, and that stuff matters. Because we can kind of dismiss that and go, oh yeah, whatever, because it's the big stuff that's going to make a difference. Nuh-uh. At the moment, it's this little stuff that's going to be making the difference. We're all powerful. So there you go power to us parents. We're going to need it in the next few weeks. Who knows how long this situation will last. In the meantime, hang in there and kia kaha. This podcast was produced and presented by me, Katie Gossett, with input from Adam McCauley and engineering by Alex Harmer. Tim Watkin is the executive producer of podcasts and series. The lovely archival audio comes from Na Kaonga Sound and Vision. You can find other episodes of Are We There Yet, as well as other RNZ podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or go to the podcast page at rnz.co.nz. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.